For Truth with a Texas Twain, Fireside Talk Radio, the show where women ponder the things we store in our hearts. Host Kathy Carafi invites experts to talk openly about what women care about, like how to create lifelong companionship, dealing with mental illness in our families, bullying at school, and many others. You name it, we talk about it. Listen in now as Kathy helps us find answers to our most tender questions. Welcome to Camp Crafty's Fireside Talk Radio, where our goal is to ponder over all the tried and true stuff women store in our hearts as we knit our families together in lifelong fellowship. Our favorite verse on this show is Luke 2.19, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. I want to thank... Uh, Home Instead Senior Care for their sponsorship. They recruit the most devoted caregivers. All caregivers are thoroughly screened, extensively trained, professional, and reliable, providing senior home care services in your loved one's home. Now, welcome to the show. Today, we have a great show. If you could see me, you would know I'm just smiling from ear to ear. Jack Sharp, welcome. Hi, Kathy. Okay, I cannot wait for our listening friends to hear about you, Jack. So I'm going to share just a wee bit. No, I don't think I am. Well, let me just tell people how you and I met. I got this phone call, I don't know, six months ago, a year ago. And Jack wanted to talk to me about Texas and coming to Texas and staying in a cabin that we have near here. And the more I talked to him, the more I knew there was all this overlap of cool stuff that we both love. And on top of all that, long ago, Bill Bright taught me to believe in, a, in divine appointments. That was his term for whenever God brought somebody interesting and special into your life, which is pretty much everyone. So anyway, I knew immediately I was going to enjoy Jack. I'm not giving you his credentials because he's going to tell a story, and I think that's going to speak for itself. Jack, how are you today? Well, I'm doing pretty good. Glad to be on your show. And... Uh... Say hi to all those folks that are listening this afternoon. Well, I'm pretty excited. Okay, so you began your, I don't even know where to begin, Jack. I mean, with the first time we had a conversation, I started just plastering you with questions. So I know mo- so much of this story. I wanted to start with community because that's a big deal in church lingo right now. Everybody likes to talk about that. And then I'm going to talk a little bit. I hope you will. Talk about, res- I'm using this term, Jack did not give me this, I just thought of it to describe what they do, resurrecting books. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that in today's show. If you love books, you are in for a treat. So Jack, I looked up Bethlehem Books and I pulled the this beautiful ex- explanation you have about what you do, Bethlehem Books, Literature to Feed the Imagination. And I'm going to read just a wee bit of it, and then I want you to talk to us a little bit about what it means to be in community, if you'll do that, okay? Okay. Okay. For those of you who don't know us, Bethlehem Books is a small, homegrown publishing company dedicated to restoring to children and families a treasure of wholesome, character-building literature. 
We are more than just a business. Our work springs from the heart of the Bethlehem community of Benedictine Oblates, a lay group of families and single people, which began in 1971. Okay, that's all I'm going to read just to whet people's appetite. But I will tell you, Jack, I had to go look up the word oblate to find out what it meant. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's like third order uh, Franciscans or something, only they're Benedictines. And um, what's that? Well, what I was going to say in Webster's, it was interesting. It's a flat piece of pole or... In the Catholic, Orthodox, Anglican, and Methodist tradition, an oblate is a person specifically dedicated to God or God's service. In your case, you have whole family groups that are dedicated to God's service, which I think is so fascinating. So that's why I'm excited about your story. Everybody talks about community and church now, but when you and your wife decided to join forces with these other families, fellow believers, Real community was not actually a very popular concept, was it? So explain to us a little bit about what that looks like in your life. All righty. We, uh, you know, actually, in the, in the late 60s and early 70s when we began, community was a buzzword at that time. And there was all kinds of intentional Christian communities all over America, dozens and dozens of them. We just happened to be one uh, in Portland, Oregon. And what we actually began my father and mother-in-law has started a house ministries where they have young people and i mean when we're talking about early 20s come together and try to live the christian life 24 7 you know for our in our church uh, and of upbringing you went to church on sunday you went to prayer meeting on wednesday night and what did you do with the rest of the week to serve the lord <laughs> that was kind of what we were up against and so it was uh, yeah. at that point in our in our church life and, and this what we called the House Ministries. It was a Bethlehem church in Portland, Oregon. Um, we, had, we ended up having about 80, 80 young people living in houses of men and women who were trying to live in community. And that was really quite exciting at that point. This would have been the early uh, 70s and into the late 70s. And then by the time we, some of us who had been involved for at least a decade felt like we needed more commitment. We had kind of a six-month commitment. Young people could come ah. in, kind of try to live together, work together, sharing income. We were sharing our incomes, which was very radical, frankly, at that time. But then there was some so of us radical. who were, I guess, more, more radical. <laughs> we thought, we, why don't we just go complete, you know, Acts 2 and share everything, you yeah. know, become common purse, common everything as far as our possessions go. So we actually incorporated that way as Bethlehem community and then lost just about everybody uh, at that point because <laughs> they just, uh, people just couldn't go that far. And we understood it was a specific calling for some of us uh, adults who felt that the uh, Lord wanted us to kind of live a, a deeper life with one another. And that kind of, uh, that group, which is about at that point, maybe less than 30, um, some of us are still together 50 years later. Wow. That's so amazing, Jack. You know, I think it's it, it's fascinating from the moment I first talked to you because I just wrote that book on marriage, and I know just getting two people to be in community together, I mean, sure, you can coexist, but do you really cherish each other? Do you really respect each other's gifts and callings? And do you really work together to reach the potential that you have? 
uh, both separately and in unity, in unison. And that's just with two people. Oh my gosh, I I can't imagine with half a dozen more adults, really. So how many people are in your community now? Right now, well, we, we're about 13 adults. Um, we have gone through, we've stayed rather small all these years. It's been kind of interesting. One of the things we never felt called to was to try to increase our size, you know, like kind of discipleship yeah. people to live the way we're living, because we figure only really nutty people in the Lord want to live like we do. <laughs> and and the, 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 there's not a lot of real nutty people out there. But so we've never pushed that angle. We, in fact, many times when people have asked us about, well, should, shouldn't we start a community because we're really anxious to do it? And we say, well, the only reason for real community is out of desperation. Now, are you really desperate enough or, or, or you just got a good idea? And so many of the small communities that we were aware of 20, 30 years ago, they, they lasted for a while. We've lasted simply because of some of the biblical principles I think God has given us the grace to live out. And those principles have really been hallmarks of our life together. I love that. I'm going to want to hear more about that. Before we move into that, though, I want to ask you to just explain to our readers a little bit about how. Okay, I'm just going to, I mean, our listening friends, I want to say, because I'm such a reader, I want to know, like Dave and I were debating how many books you told us were in the library at at Bethlehem Community. So I want you to, to share a little bit about the books. I just find that so interesting. <laughs> well, we just, uh, we've always been bibliophiles. That means, you know, we love books. We've been collecting them uh, for a long time. When we decided to homeschool my oldest son back in 19, uh, see, what it was been in the early 80s. Uh-huh. He was born in 76. See, in, in Portland, Oregon, in the early 80s, the homeschooling was illegal. So we had to be very careful how we did it, mm-hmm. and at that point we started collecting books. Um, we've now, at this point, I think we're up. I think our library at home, uh, amongst all the different houses, is about twenty-five thousand young uh, children's books, and that's got to be one of the bigger libraries, children's libraries in North Dakota. That's amazing. I could be one of the biggest children's libraries anywhere. That's just a lot of books. I'm very jealous about that. In fact, now that I ha- know you have all those books, I'm thinking about asking to have a sabbatical at your uh, place. Okay, we have, <laughs> yeah. we have two minutes. So I'm going to have to That would be great, this. Kathy. Come on up. You need a little Texas twang, you know. We, no, uh, I'm not going to be able to do huh? I won't do it in the wintertime because, you know, I can't stand that much coldness. <laughs> well, that's one of the reasons my wife, Jeannie, and I are here in uh, Texas right now. Is we're avoiding some of that winter up there in North Dakota. Well, I know but she's we also really, working uh, hard we really, and um, working to resurrect books. Okay, we have to go to break. When we come okay. back, we're going to talk a little bit more. I, I don't want to miss a chance to tell people the kind of books that you offer because they're classics that have been restored and, and put back into circulation. So this is just right up my alley. I'm so excited about what y'all are doing. It makes me so happy to think all those great ideas are going to resurface in our culture. And, and I want to talk a little bit about things like uh, the Dency book, D-E-N-C-E-Y. So it's called Downright Dency. I just read it myself, and now I passed it on to my 10-year-old granddaughter. I mean, how awesome is that? 
that both a 10-year-old and a 60-year-old female could enjoy the same book. So I love that. Okay, and then uh, the other thing I want to do is be sure I mention, if you're looking for Bethlehem Publishers, I want to give you their, uh, I may have, okay, BethlehemBooks.com, and also don't forget, Kathy Craffy, K-R-A-F-V-E.com, and so stay with us when we come back. I'm going to ask him a whole lot more questions about books and kids and cold winters in North Dakota. We don't want to miss a moment at Fireside Talk Radio, so stay tuned for more adventures as we talk about the things women store and ponder in their hearts. More truth with a Texas twang when we return. You ought to see my blue-eyed Sally. She lives way down on Shimbone Alley. The number on the gate and the number on the door and the next house over is a grocery store. Does your spouse refuse to hear? Do your children stare without comprehending? Does your parent or boss raise objections to all your good ideas? Oh, the frustration. Conversations often break down instead of breaking through. Hi, this is Kathy. We've just released a book about one of history's most influential women. Just like you, she was pre-qualified for influence. In our book, The Well, The Art of Drawing Out Authentic Conversations, I explore more than 40 strategies Jesus himself used to launch her from lonely to leadership. The Well, The Art of Drawing Out Authentic Conversations. Get your copy today at Kathy Craffy, K-R-A-F as in Frank, V as in Victor, E as in Edward.com or on Amazon and start exercising the influence God has prepared for you. What if I told you there was a new place for senior care? A place where mom's bathtub recitals are met with rousing applause? Where Lola the Yorkie Poo has the run of the place? A place where corn dogs are on the menu whenever? It's home, where mom built her life. Call Home Instead Senior Care at 1-800-455-CARE or visit homeinstead.com to learn more about in-home services like 24-hour care, memory care, hospice support, and meals and nutrition. All miles and miles of Texas. Yeah. We want to thank our generous sponsors for making these candid conversations possible at Fireside Talk Radio where we talk openly about the things women store and ponder in their hearts, where truth and Texas twang meet. Hey, so our family has really been enjoying getting to know Jack and Jean Sharp, and we're so united in some of the things we value. Like last Sunday, Jack was talking to my family a little bit about, and, and my kids, two out of three of my kids were here with some of the other grandkids. And I'm telling you, it was just a talk fest. I kind of had to ask the kids to be quiet so he could answer their questions. Jack, I felt bad for you. There were so many people asking you questions last Sunday. Well, I did okay. We did okay. <laughs> They're very energetic kids, young people, young adults, and they have a lot of ideas and you are, touching on a subject when you talk about reading and books that the Crafty family really loves. So I'm trying to picture that first winter. God 
gave you this vision that you needed more land and then surprised you with a an amazing opportunity. So you moved from Oregon to North Dakota. But I think that first winter was a bit of a shock. And you mentioned values that unite that, that we're living in a time when people really are desperately looking for anything that will unite us. So talk to me a little bit about that first winter and what kept you guys united. Well, we are um, one of the principles of our community really is founded in First Corinthians, where Paul says that God has chosen a variety of things that none of us would choose naturally, like weakness <laughs> to overcome the strong and the things that are not to bring the nothing the things that are. I always use that phrase as God chooses uh, failures to bring the nothing the, the successful things. Oh, so yeah. One of the things that unites us is, is this very strong uh, faith thing that we tried to stay together in faith, that the weaknesses that we have, each one of us, are actually a gift to one another. And if we're willing to give that to each other without... Um, condemnation and without uh, trying to fix each other up. See, think about it. Think of a group of people trying to live together and trying to fix mm -hmm. each other up. Our community would have lasted about 25 minutes, maybe maybe a month, <laughs> uh, not, not, not 50 years, if we'd actually try to fix each other up. But we try to give God the room and the space so that he can work with people until there's someplace different. But of course, one of the real founding things with us, with even the book business, was that we're committed we're committed to change, that, that whatever influences or whatever ways the Lord wants to expose to us or show to us through other people where we need to change, that, it's, that we, we're open to it. We're saying, okay, God, change, change me here. We don't know how long it'll take. Actually, we have a phrase, uh, we have slow cookers in our community and fast cookers, and whether it takes 20 years to change at some point or, or two minutes, it doesn't really make a whole lot of difference. Yeah, unless you're unless you're hungry, and then you might rather have the fast cooker. Right, that's yeah. true. That, then the, there's there's that. But we, you know, our what we did is what we gave up our livelihood. We spent ten years baking Scandinavian bread in Vancouver, Washington, across from Portland, wow. Oregon. After we had given up all our um, uh, professions, everybody slowly we gave up our professions. We got actually poor and poor we ended up baking bread and if you really want to be a group that gets really poor then try bread baking because that's <laughs> one way to do it and but then what happened is we saw this our children were really not as they were starting to grow up we you know in that milieu they really weren't interested in bread baking and so we said well what are we interested in and my wife Jeannie said well why don't we publish books and that really sparked our young people's imagination, except my faith level was pretty low. I said, oh, great, we're going to publish books. Uh-huh, we don't know anything about it. And when are we going to have our first book published? She said, how about six months? And I said, yeah, why not? Why not six months? Since we don't know anything about it. Well, to tell you how the Lord works, He, we had our first book published in six months. It had been printed. Wow. We had 3,000 copies sitting in our bakery, and we didn't know a bit of thing about how to, how to sell them. Wow. But, but wow. from that point, we needed to, we spent our money on that, and then publishing, of course, is a very expensive, capital-intensive business, and we are very poor at this point. Uh, at one point, we had a lot of donated, uh, um, uh, what were they? They were um, uh, pumpkins. Pumpkins were donated to us, and I never got so sick and tired of pumpkin soup in my life, and we, uh, 
We asked the Lord, okay, well, where's our capital, Lord? Where's our capital to publish the next book? Well, the only place we knew it was the building we owned. So together, and this takes a lot of, it takes prayer, and it takes people trusting each other like crazy, but we sold our building right out from under us so we could publish wow. the next book. Wow. And we had no place to go. And uh, anyway, that was our book publishing beginning, was uh, to publish books with the capital of our own building, but not having any place to go. And um, anyway, that's the story in itself. I got to say this, though. I, I know, I mean, I know how hard it is to break into publishing because we've been working on that for several years ourselves just to get one or two books published. We're so proud of them because it's so much work and such a team effort. But when you are like you guys do, you you create such quality printing, quality product that does cost more money. And I, so I want to talk a little bit about Bethlehem Books in case people are listening. If you want to find Downright Dency, which is the book I just read by Caroline Dale Snedeker. Am I saying that right? Yes, Snedeker, Snedeker, yeah. Snedeker. And then I also want your people, I want any listening friends that have small children and might be homeschooling, I want them to look for this book in particular this is one I'm fixing to order for my grandsons. Maybe more than one of my grandchildren will get this book. Archimedes and the Door of Science by Jeannie Bendick. Those are just beautiful books. And you can find them at Bethlehembooks.com. I just want to throw that in because, you know, you mentioned how expensive it is to publish books. It is expensive if you do quality and you expect them to last. And, and I would say that is definitely what y'all are committed to. I think when people go to your website, they're going to be as excited as I was when I found you. So I always buy well, books for my kids. We sold to a lot of homeschoolers in, uh, and regular folks in Texas, that's for sure, over the years. Well, and think of this. When I first started homeschooling my kids, which was 25 years ago, I never thought the day would come when our whole culture would be shut down and everyone would have to homeschool. I know we've had lots of Zoom and public and private school teachers online this year, but it's crazy how much homeschooling has been come. It's been transformed into kind of a mainstay. So if you're look, if you if you've had a, a crushing year because you had to work online and homeschool your kids simultaneously while trying to keep up with all their schoolwork, you're gonna love this website as much as I do. And their catalogs are beautiful. There are pages that have all their beautiful books in them. It's just like, I'm like a kid in a candy store, Jack. I mean, people are going to think you're paying me to say all this, but I just love <laughs> Hey, I don't, I don't remember paying you for this. No, but, you I know, don't we, touch you we, on the air we, because we, it makes me so happy to share our culture with really positive people who are putting out great literature, great ideas, great messages, and you guys have just been doing that. It, I was excited to discover you. Well, the, the story, even how what spurred us on was my wife Jean Ann went back twenty well twenty nine years ago now to the library because we found this author Hilda Van Stockham that we really enjoyed, and we went to the local librarian and we said, uh, "Do we have her books in stock?" She said, "Oh no, 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 we've taken those books out because in her books the, the family has five children, and that's not <laughs> acceptable." Now this is thirty years ago. How do you like that? Wow. So we actually ended up meeting Hilda Van Stockham. She was still alive when we started publishing her books. And we decided to choose books that have a Christian undergirding. All our books have something that reflects a Christian culture. 
and there and not many religious books, even though we're a, sometimes people think we're a religious publisher, but we're really not. We're a good literature publisher, and uh, yeah. a number of uh, Protestant and Catholic uh, curriculum people buy a lot of our books and sell put them in their curriculum. Well, I'm not at all surprised. I, I'm going to be putting them in. I mean, it's months away, Christmas, but I start buying. As soon as I give the last round of books to my grandchildren at Christmas, I start buying the next round. So if I die between now and Christmas, they'll still have books in their stocking for me this year. And I cannot wait to go on your website. I'm going to buy one for for every one of my kids. I just have to figure out which ones first. They're all so Good. Well, you you might you might want to do start with the Latch Valley Farm series. That's a whole series written by Ann Pulaski That's about a um, Polish family, like Little House on the Prairie. It's the Polish Little House on the Prairie. There's five books there, and it's about this one family growing up. I think they're in Wisconsin. I'm pretty sure. It's a wonderful well, series. In fact, our our audio books of that have uh, sold a tremendous amount of audio books of that one. I bet that's right. I, I the the Dency book, downright Dency that I read. I was trying to explain it to somebody. It's like Pollyanna and Anne of Green Gables and all the classic <laughs> literature right. that I gr- grew up on and loved. Well, once you get through the titles we all know and love, what do you do then? I, I mean, I had that's a daughter right. who was that's reading right. Shakespeare. You met her, Anna. She was reading Shakespeare in junior high. I mean, I couldn't keep up with her reading. I, I, she right. read everything I read. She read War and Peace by the time she finished junior high. I was like, now what? So finding well, we were, your, finding those classics at, at uh, Bethlehem Books is just a godsend for our family, for sure. Yeah, and that's what we were told when we started this. They said, well, you know, there's all the classics that people keep reprinting, but there's a thousand-plus good books that were written, especially the ones that were written for young adults and children in the 50s and the 40s and the 50s and the 60s. After that, it kind of tanked for writing for children. It all became very politicized, and nowadays the kind of stuff that's coming out is very sad. Yeah. Okay, we have two minutes left. So if you were going to give people one big principle, whether it's at home with a husband or in a community at church or in your case with 13 adults and all the rest of the family that goes with those adults, living in community, sharing everything, what would be the principle that would be like the overarching principle that you would share? Well, I think probably the main overarching principle is being able to trust the Lord and believe that he is in the midst of any situation, marriage situation or anything, and that he's actually the one who's in charge of it. And that's probably where our people have had to trust the Lord at so many points, so many times. I love it. I love it. That's a great advice. Okay, so if you want to know more from, from Jack Sharp and Gene and his beautiful wife, go to BethlehemBooks.com, or I'll put all these hyperlinks in a blog so you don't have to have a wreck or get off your bike if you're if you're exercising. Kathy Craffy, K-R-A-F is in Frank, V is in Victor, E is in Edward.com, and it will be my privilege to give you all the information you need so you can track down these fabulous books to feed the imagination and the faith of your own children. Truth with a Texas twang. Oh, no. 
Thank you for joining us today where we speak truth with a Texas twang about the very things that touch our hearts. Thank you for joining us today and we will see you again next week. Oh.